This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Welcome to Flavor Country. Oh yes. I'm fired up, man. We only got three games left in the season. We only got four teams still alive. Everything's getting everyone's getting hepped up on goofballs. That's right. This is the good shit, mate. This as I like to say, this is why you lift all them weights. This is why we stick around all season. This is the big stuff, man. This is the big time. Yep. Let's go. Let's do it. Preliminary finals. And everyone that was there in the murky depths of origin affected split rounds. We've come through the other side and now we're here. This is for you, baby. This is for this is for the footy deans of the of the fandom world. I'm gonna get out in front of you and say that this might be my favorite weekend of the season. I love prelim final weekend because like the stakes are so high. The stakes are almost as high as the grand final itself, but you get two games, Nick. You get two. I, I, I love I love grand final week. Like grand final day is my favorite day of the year. Grand final week is probably it's probably my favorite week of the year. But then prelim weekend is probably second only to first weekend of the finals for me. If I was if I was yeah. arranging if I was arranging finals weekends in the order in which I love them. I love them all, but it's like your parents. They're they're our favorites. Mm. We all know it. And you might say, but Matt, prelim prelim week makes you sad every year. And you'd be right. But I can be the bigger man and move past that. And also, for once, we're not playing, so they can't upset me, which is lovely. Uh, two teams that have done their fair share of upsetting me over the years will play each other on Friday night, though, and that is the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. Rematch of the 2020 Grand Final, the 2021 Prelim Final as well. Uh, two teams that have had plenty of battles over the last few years. And yet, this honestly... Going back through the past three years, just sort of like mentally when I was preparing for the show earlier, feels like this is sort of like the first time in like a big spot where like it, it's almost like the buildup hasn't been quite as big purely because I don't know if a lot of people are giving Melbourne much of a shot at all. Penrith and Melbourne is a very strange rivalry because so so, so Penrith have had their, their ascension, right, over the last four seasons to become probably the best team of the NRL era and arguably one of the greatest teams of all time. Mm. Normally when a team rises to that level, they have another team who, you know, might get a win over them here or there, but are very clearly the number two. It's very rare that you'll have a team rise right to the top and not have another team that at least goes close with them. But Penrith haven't really had that. Mm. And the team that was meant to be that, was the storm, but it just sort of hasn't worked out that way. You know, there's, and it should have worked out that way because they have this great sort of uh, creation myth for a rivalry between the two, the 2020 grand final, when Penrith come in as raging hot favorites, finally lost one game all year, get a lesson in finals footy from the storm who end up winning the premiership, carry on a little bit in the celebrations, Penrith come back and avenge it the next year. But I feel like, for the most part, since that time, there has not been that many games yeah. between the Storm or the Panthers where both teams have entered it fully fit. You know, there was the 2021 prelim, which was remarkable and I think is still the best win that Penrith's had in this entire run. But other than that, like either Penrith don't have all their guys or the Storm don't have all their guys. Mm. And it feels like both sides are keeping something off the table. Feels like neither side is fully committing to 
to locking in to locking in and going for it in these regular season games. So we get to a game like this where the stakes are incredibly high. And even though these two teams have a lot of shared history at this time of year in, in relatively recent times, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm not mm. sort of really feeling that, that, that edge that you should feel between two of the premier teams of this time. You know, it feel, like I'm not saying that I'm not excited for this game or I'm not saying this to demean the storm or demean the Panthers or whatever. It just feels like this is, you know, uh, th- th- this just feels like a regular preliminary final. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't have, that edge to it mm. that even, even the, the, the 2021 prelim had to it, you know what I mean? Which is an interesting one because I think for the storm to have a real shot in this game, they need a little bit of that edge. Yeah. Like if you just go on paper on technical ability on X's and O's, the Panthers are going to co- got this one covered. So the storm need something. They need something outside the box. They need to go off script. They need something outside the realms of a regular match here. And I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think about where they might be able to find it. Well, they've played each other seven times since that grand final. Penrith won five of them, including that fantastic preliminary final. And they've whipped them pretty handily in three of those other ones. They won a close one at the start of the 2021 season, if you recall. But the only two wins that Melbourne have had, as you alluded to earlier with talking about how they're never really both firing like firing on all cylinders it's like that game that Penrith ran up a score against against the storm in, in in the 2021 regular season there was no Cleary there was no Brian Toto there was no there was no Isaiah Yo there was a bunch of big players missing and then again that 16-0 win that they had against them uh late in the season last year was it was the same deal again it was a halves combination of Jamin Salmon and Sean O'Sullivan with Charlie Staines at fullback so yeah it, it's interesting that Basically, since that grand final, where I agree with you, they they gave them a finals footy TM lesson. <laughs> since then, it's really been quite a one-sided rivalry, which is not a position that the Storm would be used to with any team at any point in their existence. But there, there are even been times when the Storm have had a chance to sort of try and rectify that, and they've punted on the chance. Like, I think back to Magic Round last year, mm. right, when it was the main game on Saturday, and it was meant to be this huge, huge game. And I think Jerome Hughes pulled out on the Tuesday and Bellamy Bellamy just pulled the starters, Mm. you know? So, but, but, but sort of zooming out again and and trying to think of an edge that that the storm can find in this game, because I don't think we're breaking any ground. If we say that on paper, Penrith have like a massive, massive advantage. There's a reason that they're like a dollar 20 to win this game. And it's the, there's a reason this is the first final I would say in, oh, wow. Like, probably before 2006 where people are looking at the storm going in and thinking, yeah, they haven't got a shot. Yeah. Which is, which is a very, very long It's time. crazy to think because that never happens and it, and it shouldn't happen, but you're yeah. right because you think back to that game they had at uh, down in Melbourne uh, um, at the Telstra dome at the end of June. And um, yeah, that was a game where if you remember the first, the first 25 minutes, Everything went the Storm's way. They were getting every bounce of the ball. Penrith were playing really poorly. They weren't completing. There was some fair chunks of luck with some of the things, like particularly the Harry Grant try, everything that went their way, not really sustainable. And then once Penrith got a sniff, and then I think they ended up being up at halftime, right, after that Hosking try. And then Yeah, they did. They scored like three tries in about yeah. 10 minutes. It was it was, it was was very reminiscent of last year's prelim final, where if you remember, South had basically everything go their way for the first 30 minutes of that game. Store uh, Penrith score a couple of quick tries in the back half of the of the first half, and then just completely go on with the job in the second half, and that's exactly what they did to Melbourne in that game. So 
it's tough to mount a credible case for the Storm in this one, just purely because if I just think back to the last time when they played each other, the Storm were close to full strength by Ryan Pappenhausen, who won't be playing in this one. And I think uh, maybe they, they, no, I think they were basically full strength apart from that, right? Like the Hughes and Munster both played, Grant played, Nas played, like they all, they all, all the, all the big dogs played. And yeah, it was basically like they needed all this luck to go their way to just be close at half time and then got blitzed in the second half. So I agree, mate. I, I can't really think of a time in the Melbourne Storm's history where I've been so off them in terms of like just a straight head-to-head yeah. shootout. Because even in the years where they haven't won the comp, even in the years where we've gone, well, you know, the Raiders love going down to Canberra, uh, love going down to Melbourne and they could cause an upset as they They're did. Never, they were never favourites. Yeah. No, like, of course I, not. I, I think apart from maybe one or two games against the Roosters, Mm. In like that that twenty eighteen, even then in eighteen, period. a bunch of people still picked the storm to win the. Oh call. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I I I I think the Roosters might have been favourites, but even that was a close run thing. Yeah, those are probably the only times when the storm have ever been underdogs, but nothing a, like in this. a final. Like they were underdogs for they were underdogs for week one against Brisbane, but there was still an awful lot of people. They are almost picking. a world club challenge level underdog status in this game. Yeah, yeah. Like this is this is like uh, if if Lee sent, if Lee Leopards hang on and win win it all and come down here next year to play. Brisbane or Penrith or Melbourne or the Warriors or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Well, hey, that's uh, maybe maybe the Storm needs to watch some tape from that World Club Challenge game from earlier this year. Maybe Matt Tripp, the owner of the Storm, starts to needs to start wearing a leopard print suit like Derek Beaumont does. It can't hurt. It really can't. Mate, a man used to misuse any means at his disposal. But that's right. So, like, the book's kind of written on Penrith. We know exactly what to expect from Penrith because we see it all the time. You know, they're getting Isaac Tungo back. They're getting Jerome Luai back. And on paper, it looks like they're a little bit bulletproof. And I think for the Storm to have a chance in this, some things that they can't control need to go their way. They need Jerome Luai to be underdone. Yes. And maybe he will be, maybe he won't be. We can't really know. He's coming back from that shoulder injury. He's coming back early. They're going to have to target him a fair bit. And they're going to have to target Isaac Tungo. A, a, a fair bit as well. Those two to defend together on the left edge. So it should make it easier for them to target because you're going after two of them and not just one, but targeting blokes who are injured is probably not a strength of this storm attack. I thought, I thought it was really telling that in the commentary and commentary during that storm roosters game, there was a roosters player that was injured. I think it was Brandon Smith. And he sort of twisted an ankle or something. And he was kind of limping around and Cameron Smith was on commentary and he was saying it in a very calm, very measured voice, but you could tell that it was really frustrating him that the storm weren't going after Brandon Smith. They were sort of hitting the other side of the field and they weren't going after it. And they weren't going after Smith the way they maybe could have. And I think that is a byproduct of the storm having two great footballers in the halves in Smith and Hughes, but maybe not two great, halves if you know like we've talked before about how jerome hughes is not a classical halfback in that sense and that that a lot of the time that doesn't matter because he's a smart footballer and he's a really good footballer but in a game like this where i think being able to to direct your attack at a certain point of the field is going to be so so important for them that might be that might be a little bit of a challenge for him maybe harry grant is the one who's going to be able to make that happen if he can sort of control that that channel of the field that melbourne right channel and get Luai and Tungo doubling up. Uh, yeah, Luai and Tungo doubling up on their efforts all the time, all the time, all the time. Really make them pay for not having played in a couple of times. Like mm-hmm. really hit Eli Katara as much as possible in a similar way to what they did for the Marion Seve try last week. They Like the Storm need to take those gambles or they need to sort of 
take those gambles and hope that Tungo and Luai are not going to be up for it yeah. the way they possibly could be. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I, I, and I, I think it's crazy to say, but you're right, because that they need to rely on Penrith being a bit off more than anything. I feel like the Storm could play perfectly, and if Penrith play at 80% of their capacity, Penrith will still win that game. They need to, to be really much more off the ball than that. I thought I thought back to um that game in 2019, and then our friend Martin Journalism Gabor wrote a story about this a couple of days ago, about the, the day down in Bathurst where Dylan Edwards made 17 errors. So I think if Dylan Edwards makes 17 errors in this game, I think Melbourne Melbourne are a red-hot chance of winning this one. But <laughs> it's just like it's just really difficult to look at anything apart from the the points you just made about these guys who are fantastic footballers in Luai and, and Tungo, but who have not played much footy at all in the past six to eight weeks. And yeah, because you look, again, you look across the field and I don't really see, apart from the number nine slot, I don't see a position where... Uh, that where Melbourne have a clear advantage anywhere. And this is why I was so keen and it sucks that he's gone again, but it's so keen for Ryan Pappenhausen to come back because he would have given them a point of difference. And I would have loved to see them use him as like a secret weapon, not so secret weapon off the bench <laughs> in the second half of a game like this, if it was still close, if it was still in the balance, maybe running at some of those tired guys who are just coming back from injuries, maybe just playing sort of that, all playing Michael Morgan origin role rather than just coming on at fullback for the last 15 minutes. Cause maybe doing something weird like that could have been the difference in a game like this, because it's not something that Penrith would really be used or anyone would really be used to defending against just a wild Ryan Pappenhausen just with his mullet flapping behind him, running on both sides of the ruck, but it can't happen now because he's not there. But a Tyron Wishart, in the yeah. crucial minutes, removes yeah. removes his mask <laughs> and his wig. And it's actually been Ryan Pappenhausen this whole time. Well, if that happens, then yes, I, I'd give them a red hot chance. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I take your point about the Storm maybe not having a matchup advantage anywhere. That that doesn't mean that Penrith are totally invulnerable. No, um, absolutely. Not. I would I would think that uh, the like the idea of getting Remus Smith and Billy Bricks in the air against Brian Toto and Sonia Taruva is something that probably really appeals to the Storm. Um, especially if they can get Warbrick on, uh, sorry, I'm getting my, my sides mixed up again. Crichton's playing Crichton's playing right center with To'o. So Crichton might be able to protect him a little bit there, but I still think that the aerial challenge of the two Storm Wingers on the two Panther Wingers, that might be something else that they look to a fair bit. Um, and I do think the Storm are going to have to really, really embrace a high tempo offloading style, in, encouraging Hughes and Grant and Munster to take a lot of chances and and use the ball as best they can and throw unorthodox stuff at the Panthers because if you throw structure at the Panthers, they that like that they will they will eat it up. They will absolutely eat it up. It will it will just it will just not happen for you. And so you've got to do unorthodox things. You've got to double up downsides. You've got to throw a lot of offloads. You know you've got to trust that your footballing instincts are going to be good enough in a moment to break down a defence that really can't be busted down by conventional means. You know, mm. do you reckon that they do? You reckon that they do the Harry Grant? Do you reckon they start Tyron Wishart and have Harry Grant come off the bench again? It's hard. Like we were talking about this the other day, right? Because like eighty-minute hooker is almost impossible with the speed yeah. of the game, and especially against a team like Penrith, and it's going to be fucking hot on top of that. So maybe like it's 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 a formula that worked for Penrith last year. They 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 benched Appy for those big games in the prelim and the grand final, and just rolled as soon as he came on the field. 
Um, I don't think it's a coincidence though that that was a part of their slow start in, especially in that game against South. So may, I guess you're dead if you do, you're dead if you don't, right? Like if you, if you, if you put him on the bench and Penrith are up 12 nil after 15 minutes, Bellamy's getting asked afterwards, why didn't you start Harry Grant? And yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a risk they can take. Mm-hmm. Um, front load your energy is like yep. a, is like a stupid coach speak thing that mm-hmm. uh, players say a lot, but I think, the storm have to let the dogs out from the jump. So start Grant, start a sofa Solomona because Penrith in these, in these big, big games, like they've won them every which way that they can, but the way that they win most of them is they throw big punches in the opening couple of rounds. And from there, they set up a lead that they. I'm really, really interested to see how many minutes Nas plays as well, because I think he's a guy that in a game like this, they need something next. I'm not suggesting he's going to play 80 or anything like that, but like, what did he play last week? 50, something like that. Like maybe they need 10 more minutes out of him or something. Yeah. And it's, I th- hard I think... to, it's hard to get those balances right. I understand all of that, but I just think that he is just so much more aggressive and so much more powerful and so much more important to everything that teams want to try and do against Penrith in terms of standing up against their physicality than anyone else on that team that maybe you do try to squeeze an extra five minutes out of him. But I don't know if you can. Yeah, that that's the thing. Bellamy's really, really going to have to be He's really going to have to try and juggle Nas as well as he can because when he's out there, the Storm forward pack looks like at least at least above average. And when he's not, they just they get smacked around. They just mm. do. They just do. You know, um, it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint what you want to see from Penrith because I feel like we already know what we're going to see. Like what they do is so well established at this point. Um, I think they'll they'll probably I think they'll probably go after. Seve and Olam as much as as much as they can because mm. I do think those two players didn't have the best time defensively last week. I thought they were they were backing away a fair bit and the Roosters were able to find some good yardage out there. I think the Panthers will look at the matchup in the middle of the field and be absolutely licking their lips. It wouldn't oh, surprise yeah. me if Isaiah Yo and James Fisher Harris think you know what let's put the passing away for a night and let's like let's build some hurting bombs. Let's let's chuck these boys a shovel. And tell them to dig their own graves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking hardcore, old school, like rugby league brutalism. Just up the guts with all this fucking one, one for the, the one, one for the neutrals. <laughs> hey? One for the neutrals. Well, if you like, if you're one of those psychos who like who watches the NFL for defense, mm. or you know, watches old clips of like you know players just getting absolute like. Remember that jacked up segment they used to have on? Sports oh yeah, 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 yeah. If yeah. that was your shit, this game might be for you. You know, might be. Uh, get, get Joel Clinton out there to just to run at Sunny Bill. <laughs> um, yeah, mate. Yeah, it's it's going to be really hard for Melbourne. I think this is it's interesting. They've never really been in a position like this, as as we said. But I'm not going to just I'm not going to assume this is going to be a Penrith victory. I'm not going to do that because it's at the end of the day still the Melbourne Storm and it's still Craig Bellamy and you know weird shit happens in finals sometimes. We 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 we, we strange things can happen. Strange things like none of us, none of us gave Parramatta a chance. No doubt about it. I'm very excited for the Toy Story commentary next week in the NFL, but that's not so. What is that? I saw you talking about it. Uh, I I know where what it is. Is it Randy Newman? Is it Randy Newman? Like sing commentating? I don't exactly know who it is, but it's 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 coming live from Andy's room. So it's going to be potato head and and ham and stuff commentating the NFL game. It's the one that's on after the grand final. So we'll we'll be out and about. Hang on, what? So you have uh, the actors in. Character. Yeah, have you not seen this? They've done it before. No. With like, oh, they did it. They've done it before with like SpongeBob. 
No, so they have the Patrick. they have the voice actors in yeah, character yeah, 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 commentating yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah, they did a SpongeBob and Patrick for a game last year. It was pretty funny. But uh, okay, yeah, but yeah, it does anyway. not sound like it would be for me. Maybe not. Uh, but yeah, so you know, none of us gave Parramatta a chance in that prelim last year, and they and they proved us wrong. So, and I'm not suggesting that this that game was as one sided as this one seems to be on paper, but we all did think that as soon as the Cowboys locked up that home prelim up there in the heat, Parramatta having to go the long way losing in week one. We didn't think that they would have much of a shot and they did it. So I'm not going to sit here and think that, you know, Penrith is going to show up and win by 30. They might. It's very much possible because again, if they get 80 minutes like they did the last 50 minutes against the Storm the last time they played them, that will be the result. But, you know, strange things can happen. Am I going to tip Melbourne? No, but I'm still going to go into this open-minded and hopeful that we get, somehow get a a, a really good contest. What is your tip then? Penrith by... Okay, so I can appreciate you looking for a contest and all that, but I think a lot of the reasons you just pinpointed, you say it's still the Melbourne Storm, it's still Craig Bellamy. That's kind of based on the what past. Melbourne have Correct. been rather than, yeah. rather than what they are right now. Yeah. You know, um, I think this is a Melbourne team that is extremely competent, but I've, as I've said a lot over the last couple of weeks, I don't know if they have another gear. High for, floor, low for, ceiling. For, for, finals, for finals time. Mm. Um, and for them to have a shot at winning this game, like I said, they just need a lot of things that they can't control to go their way, mm. you know? So to that end, it just seems to me like, of course, everything's pointing towards Penrith. If both teams play their best, Penrith wins because Penrith's best is so much better than Melbourne's, you know? Mm. So they not only do they need Penrith to be down a few notches, they also need like a lot of bounces to sort of lift them above that level again. You know, so I'm not expecting Melbourne to embarrass themselves, um, but I do think Penrith win this pretty handily. I'm going Penrith like by 24. There you go. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going Penrith like 28 to four. It's maybe like 16 four at halftime, and then a couple of late ones to blow it out. Bellamy retires after the game. No, no, I don't think. He, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I think he's going to coach until he is a head in a jar. Yep, I agree with that. And okay. who wouldn't? Be pretty fun. Okay. Saturday night, Brisbane hosting a prelim final for the first time in a very long time against the Warriors, who are playing in a prelim final for the first time in an even longer time. Um, again, this 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 was one that looks quite one sided on paper, and it's the and the the betting odds reflect that. But um, I guess I mean we'll start with the obvious question: how are the, how are the Warriors going to be equipped to stand up against a team like Brisbane that's just so confident and so powerful right now? Well, before I answer that question, I think I can sum up this game in two words, three words. I'll give you three words. Okay. Hell fucking yeah. Excellent. If I could pick one game to go to for the entire season, it would be this one. I think we're going to get an all-time atmosphere up there up there at Lang Park. Like, mm. Not just because it's the Broncos playing in their first time prelim in eight years, which would be big enough. That would make it a big, crazy time and a, and a really great place to be. For, for, like the, the not just the game would be a great place to be, the city would be a great place to be. But I think because the Warriors have so many fans in Southeast Queensland, mm-hmm. and because that like that fan base has just been so so energized by by what's happened over the last couple of weeks, I think we're getting an all timer. Like it's the sort of thing where if I lived in Brisbane, I would knock off work at twelve o'clock, go down to Caxton <laughs> Street, and just just set up like you, just just get oh, ready, get fired up. You're suggesting it might have a better atmosphere than the game in the middle of nowhere in a soulless Grand Canyon of a stadium that they're giving away free tickets to. 
Just by a struck match. Just okay. by a struck match. All right. You it's going to be close. Yeah, close I, run I, I think I think this one. I think this is going to be one of the one of the 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 great great Brisbane nights. Like, mm. like if Brisbane win, of course, then it all obviously becomes like Hall of Fame stuff. But even if Brisbane win by a million, I still think it'll be a. What if what if they got a, the, an absolute sick one? What if they've somehow secretly booked the Fratellis to play Chelsea Dagger before the game? My God! Then if that happens, then Reese Walsh will be declared the new mayor of Brisbane by the end of by the end of the night. He's got my vote. <laughs> he's not old enough to vote, but he's old enough to lead. <laughs> if he's old enough to party, he's old <laughs> enough to lead. That's right. Um, yeah, mate, this is going to be a fantastic one. The, we say one for the neutrals a lot, and a lot of time we're being sarcastic, but this is one for the neutrals. I love watching the Broncos play. They've been the most fun team to watch this year, and the Warriors have been the best story this year with a guy in Sean Johnson who we've, we've loved and cheered on for, for basically his whole career, and this is just a real feel-good story on both sides of things. And I know that especially older listeners who remember how dominant the Broncos were in the in the 90s and the early 2000s might, might disagree with that, but I, I think that when you talk about entertainment, right, the end of the sport is meant to be entertainment. It's supposed to be fun to watch above everything else, above even above winning. And this team to me is so much more entertaining than either the Storm or the Panthers are right now and probably more entertaining than the Panthers have ever been and more entertaining than most Storm teams. There have been some Storm teams, like 2017, for example, that were red hot and amazing to watch. But this Broncos team is right up there with the most watchable teams I've, I can remember. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely are. Um, I, I think the key for the Warriors in this one is going to be sort of what step they take emotionally um, from mm. that from that night's win last week. So there's there's two ways that that can go. Either that was their grand final and they don't have anything left, which I think a couple of Broncos fans are kind of expecting. Or now that they've had that home final and they've had that great day at home, the, like the pressure is off. The shackles have been released. And it's and it's time to just you know let it all hang out and give it one big rip and sort of seeing how it goes. So I tend to think the truth will be somewhere in the middle. I do think the Warriors have another level to go to, and I think they're going to hit it in this game. Mm. It still might not be enough. It no. still not might be enough. Like I I I, th- I think because of the way that they're constructed with their really good structure and their very strong forward pack, I'm expecting them at the very least. To give to give Brisbane a good run, I don't think this will be a procession. I don't think it'll be a smash up. I think okay. the the Warriors have the pack, not to beat Brisbane or anything like that, but to match it with them. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they can. But I think just because Brisbane have a little bit more depth in their middle, and I think their bench is their their bench middles particularly are a little bit stronger than what the Warriors have got going on. And I think just because Brisbane have that sort of verve that you're talking about, that sort of explosive attacking footy mm. that can that can unleash itself at, at at any time without warning. I think the the Warriors kind of need a perfect 80 minute effort to win this game. And yeah. I just don't think they're going to be able to subdue Brisbane long enough to make that happen. You know? I I going back to the first thing you said, I think that the best thing for them was that last week wasn't a war. It wasn't some incredibly tense overly emotional day where they won 19-18 via a Sean Johnson field goal. They yep. won that game in the first 10 minutes. And from that point, it was party time. And so they got their big emotional moment out of the way, but they did it in such a dominant fashion that that big release was sort of apparent at the time. And I don't think it took as much out of them as a, as a second week of the finals game could take out of a team if it's really brutal and really physical and really hard. They came through that game unscathed. Those guys they've had like Torhu and SJ who were under relative injury clouds, 
going back to the start of the finals and in the weeks prior to that, they got out of that game, no dramas whatsoever. Everybody's fit, everybody's firing, and that game was locked up out of sight with half an hour to go. So that's the best thing that they could have hoped for last week. And then, yeah, they they win this game through their forward pack. They win this game by the guy who we both probably agree has been the second best prop in the league this year in Adam Fanua Blake after Payne Haas. They win this game if he can match it with Payne Haas and do that to a level. Maybe not match because no one can match it with Payne Haas, but be close enough to him that he can negate how great the advantage of having Payne Haas is. And then on top of that, inspire the other guys behind him, guys like Barnett, Harris, who's been fantastic. Those edge guys like Ford and Nia Corey have been really, really good all year inspired those guys to lift as well. And if they can match it stroke for stroke with the Broncos in the middle of the park, that to me is their best chance of victory. Because whilst the Broncos can score from anywhere, they do have a mistake in them. They do have a brain fart in them. And if you can keep the pressure on them, if you're the Warriors, if you can keep this game tense and close, and you you think back to that Raiders-Broncos game a few weeks ago, Brisbane got to a point in that game, and I I know they ended up winning because they're so talented and they've got so many good players, but... They got to a point in that game where they were trying to score like every time they got the ball. And a lot of that resulted in them turning the ball over, making a dumb error, throwing a pass over the sideline, things like that. That's how the Warriors win this game to me. They keep it close. They keep it tense. And at the end, they're the ones with the cooler heads and they eke out like a 14-12 victory or something like that. I think if it becomes a shootout, they have no hope. Their way of winning this is to get down in the slop and take all the emotion, take all the energy out of the building and just grind their way through this game for 80 minutes. N- low mistakes, which we know they're very, very much capable of low mistake footy, and just really physical work in the forward pack. That, to me, is their recipe for success. Well, that's a that's a great recipe for any any upset win. You know, um, I, I, I we talked a little bit about this in the lead up to the Brisbane Storm game in week one, but this is a Brisbane team that's incredibly hungry for success, and there have been times in big games at Suncorp this year where they have tried to cut to the chase. They haven't gone through the process of what they need to go through to sort of set up the win, you know? Um, And I thought like there was probably a chance that that might happen against the storm. And there's probably a chance that it could happen here as well, because the stakes are so high and the energy is going to be so high, but I don't, I don't think that is going to happen. I I, I don't think this moment is, is too big for this, for this Brisbane team. I think if that was going to happen, it would have happened a couple of weeks ago and I was confident then it wasn't going to happen, you know, but, like, like, like you said, you know, the Broncos can get a bit overexcited. They can make a mistake. They can go like, they love, they love the big plays. Right. And I love the big plays too. Who doesn't love big plays, but sometimes the big play isn't the play, you mm. know? And that was something that they sort of, I felt like they uncovered that the longer the Broncos storm game went, but I feel like it's a lesson that they're going to have to teach themselves again. Which, but, but again, I think they're very, very capable. Oh yeah, of 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 doing that. You know, I I think about um, I know it's been a good, good while since since uh, Kurt Capewell sort of had that really tough start to the season. But it's something I do still think about a little bit. I get the feeling that he could get targeted a fair bit. But and the Warriors are so good at attacking down down their edges with um with Johnson and. And Tamari yeah. Martin and 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 they're and they're two really really uh, solid back rowers. So I I I think that's a channel that the that the Warriors will go after a little bit. Um, for the Broncos, I think it's a little bit like that, like last week, where even though it didn't end up happening, I thought Pompey and Barry both really really improved from the Panthers game. I still think the Broncos will think, man, like 
Farnworth or Stags against Pompey and Berry, like that's a matchup that they'd feel really, really good about. And they're so good at getting the ball out to those guys so, so quickly and just giving them a little bit of space. You know, Stag yeah. scored that try against Melbourne when there wasn't a heap of space. There was only like a step or two and he surged through three blokes and scored. You know, I could definitely see something like that happening again in the in the really key moments for the Bronx. Yeah, I think I think that's that to me is the main difference here. That Andrew Webster has got like apart from Chance, who's you know played in a grand final with Canberra, Andrew Webster has got the most out of I think a very limited two to five. I think Dallin may be exempt from that. He's 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 always been a talented guy, and it's took, taken him a while to really find a a home and a and a, and a and a situation that perfectly complements him, but I think he is in one now. And then those other guys, like they're not, they're not exactly the most household names in the world, but he has got them all to such a high level in their with their play that it should be absolutely commended. The problem with that is you can only ask Marcelo Montoya and, and Rocco Berry to do so much. And there's a level that Katoni Staggs and Selwyn Cobbo and Reese Walsh have in with all in hand with the ability to create something out of nothing that the Warriors don't have. And that's not a knock on them. No no one really has that. No, Very few teams have multiple guys who can do it. The Roosters might have that, for example, in their, in the, in their back five. And that's off the top of my head. Maybe, maybe the Cowboys on a good day. Maybe even the Titans on a particularly good day with a couple of those guys. But no team really can do what the Broncos can do in terms of just being able to produce points through individual brilliance out of nothing. And the Warriors are the complete antithesis of that. They're so rigid. They're so structured. Everything they do is so meticulous, so by design. None of it's ad-libbed. And that's great, but it has a ceiling. And that ceiling is much lower than the ceiling that the Brisbane Broncos can get to if even like two-thirds of the weird shit they try to do comes off. The, 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 the Broncos have players who can be terrible for 75 minutes and, then just, and still, and still yes. win you the game. You know, and I'm not saying that they will be or anything like that, but the Warriors are going to have to be perfect for close to 80 minutes to win this, where Brisbane could probably win it in about 20 minutes of just yeah. absolutely blinding footy. Yeah. Which, 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 as we know, they had, they, they have in them, you know? So like I'm, I'm taking the Broncos in this one. I think just about everybody is, but I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk and I think they are going to have to work for it. I'm mm. expecting the Warriors to put up a real, real fight but I'm taking the Broncos by, uh, let's say, seven points. Okay. I'm going to say Broncos by 13 points. Exactly. And yeah, mate, I, I agree with you because if you, you think back to that week one of the finals game, right? They they were the better team for the whole game. They fucked around and they made mistakes and they they, they didn't execute. And somehow it was only what? Like eight nil after 50 minutes. But then bang, bang, bang. Try two tries in five minutes and then another try late on to seal it. And in between they could add a couple more and it's 26 nil and it's like, oh. So yeah, they don't need to be good for 80 minutes. They only need to be good for 15. And they can be just pottering around for the rest of it. And their forwards are so good that it probably won't come back to bite them in the ass. I hope for our sake that at least one of these games is like a real classic. I'm kind of skeptical. And I think that given we've both picked multiple score wins for the two favorites who are both at home, then, you know, it might just be one of those years where the two prelims are, you know, basically foregone conclusions. I hope that, I, I don't even care if like who wins. I just hope that we get at least one close game. And I think, this I, is, I, I, I think we will, I think Saturday is going to be a, a really, a yeah, really good. I was going to say, and I think still confident in the Broncos getting it done, but I, I do think it'll be a really, a real ripper. 
And I've tipped this, I've tipped them by 13, but this honestly could be a game where they're winning by like one with 10 minutes left and can get two late tries to win by 13. But we'll see. Just happy for, just happy for, you know, fans of both of these teams. And look, again, just, we, we talked about this briefly on question time, but not everyone who listens to this hears that, obviously. Um, just enjoy it. Just enjoy the occasion. You don't get prelims. They don't come along every day. Even the most dominant teams only play in a few of these games a decade. They're, they're, it's just great. Just enjoy it. It's this is advice. why we do it, man. Yeah, this is why. This is why we do it. Get swept, get swept up in it. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, and you know, you if you're a Warriors fan, you might think you know you're the underdogs, and you might think back to how bleak the last decade or so of footy has been. Basically, what is it one one finals game since they made that grand final in 2011? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that all sucks. And you might lose this game. You probably will, but who gives a shit? Just fucking... I don't. I don't think you need to fire up any of the Warriors fans right now. <laughs> I don't think. Not. I don't think they need. They need a pump up, mate. They're, what if they... they're ready to go? And if you see a weird booth, we can stick your arm in and get a tattoo. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Yeah. You might never get that chance again. That's true. You actually might not give it. That, that was like something the government will take away from us <laughs> if given half the chance. We used to be a real country. Yeah, we used to be able to tattoo people's arms through a wall. In, in harmony. No one got hurt. What happened to us? Yeah. We should start our own tattoo booth. I don't know how to tattoo people, do you? How hard can it be? We just get a pen and draw. Exactly. We already we already write. It's just writing but on people's arms. It's just writing but pictures. Like yeah. what's the problem? Yeah, exactly right. Okay. All right. I'm 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 very excited. And then Sunday we got a double header of, of uh do we still call these prelims? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Or are they just semis? Ah, uh... Actually, no, let's just go semi-final. Okay, yeah. A wonderful catch-all word. A semi-final mm. can mean literally any any one of them. Any yeah. one of them. I've week, always week, found that... Week one, a week two, a week three, doesn't matter. I've always found that... that I've always been of the opinion that semi-finals should be prelims and preliminary finals should be earlier, just in terms of the way words well, work. Mate, take, hey. t- take it up with the McIntyre system. <laughs> Maybe I will, Nick. Maybe I will. Yes, we've got two... Uh, semi-finals with the Knights hosting the Broncos first. And I love that these are both standalone games. Nicholas, uh, let's start in the Hunter. Their men's team came up short last week, but their women's team have a cracking chance to get one step closer to -to back-to-back. Yeah, yeah. It it does feel like this one is really bending towards the Knights. You know, like they they just got it done against the Tigers last week. I think it was pretty clear that they had an eye on on, on the bigger games to come. Jesse Southwell was cleared of that ankle injury. So she's ready to go. I think Tamika Upton has really, really hit a nice balance between a running and a ball playing in recent weeks. So that's a really good sign for them. Um, thought Yasmin Clydesdale had a real blinder last week. She's really working some stuff out with a, with a footwork on that edge. Um, and while Brisbane have a very high ceiling as a team, I think there's, there's enough uncertainty there to, to, to be a little, to question a little bit if they're going to be able to bring their best footy to this one, you know, it's in the Hunter as well. So we're going to get a big rowdy Newcastle crowd as we, as we always think the crowd's going to be, I hope it's, I hope it's good. If we, if, if it could, if they could get it over about like 5,000, I think that'd be a really good result. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tight. I'm probably leaning the Knights in this one, but also if Brisbane just sort of like just pull some stuff out of nowhere and win by, end up winning by 10 points, like I wouldn't be that shocked. No. Um, like they've got, obviously, we don't need to go through their game breakers. They've got plenty of players across the field that can create stuff. And, you know, that in big moments, in big games is a very powerful tool. So, yeah, I'll, I'll also tip Newcastle. But I'll say by four, by four points. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go Newcastle by, 
six. Okay. And a big, big shout out to um to Bree Clark, one of the Brisbane front rowers. I think she's had a really strong year. And I think a key for Brisbane winning this game will be hassling Southwell as much as possible. And I think Bree Clark and Chelsea Lenarduzzi are probably the best equipped to do that. So mm. if they're sort of able to put that pressure on and really slow down that Knights attack, I yeah. think it'll go a long, long way to 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 putting Brisbane on top. Absolutely. And then we've got the Roosters playing the Titans. I'll definitely be heading down to this one up at Allianz Stadium. Can't wait. There's obviously a huge question here, and that is lurking in jersey number 22 for the Roosters, Jess Sergis. Yeah. So how about these ins for the Roosters? Jess Sergis, Keely Davis, and Millie Boyle. Not bad. Like not 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 the worst, I would say. No. Uh, whereas, yeah, whereas look- Boyle and Davis are Named a name to start and look certain to play. Sergis is the one that's really up in the air. I uh, this is just sort of me eyeballing it. I think she's going to play. Okay, well she's a she's a she's a bit of a she's well, a bit she, of a wild woman. Just she wanted to she wanted to Gus, she wanted to Gus Crichton herself. So that's what the Roosters do, mate. It. They're just ch- they're just chopping off fingers. It's great stuff. It's like they're yeah. in the yakuza. Mm. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like so the I think the Titans really made a little bit of a statement last week against the Raiders. I think they're the sort of physical like a physically aggressive large team that can really give a good showing um in 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 big games where their back is up against the wall and i think there's a chance that the roosters are a little bit battered and bruised a lot of their really good players have either missed the last couple of weeks through injury or are carrying injuries at the moment so i don't think this one's the foregone conclusion that most people think but like you look at that roosters team you look at the stars you think about the pedigree that they have over the last three nrlw seasons it like I can talk myself into the Titans having a chance, but it's hard to talk myself into them winning the game, you know? Yeah, I agree. But you know, you don't you don't finish third on the ladder by accident. They've got some really good players. Like Lauren Lauren Brown's been fantastic this year, and they've got you know that they've got re- a really capable forward pack. I think that they're probably along with Newcastle the only team that not again can't outplay the Roosters, but can hang with them and. They're going to have to do that at the very least if they want to win this one. But yeah, I think this game is going to be really tight. I want to tip the Titans in an upset, but people will just call me biased. So I'm going to tip the Titans. That's never stopped you before. I was literally about to tip them. You ruined the punchline. So I'm going to tip the Titans by two. Nice. It's interesting that the Titans have Talia Fumayono on um, the extended bench. I This might be controversial. I probably wouldn't bring her back into the team. I think I think Lauren Brown's done really well at halfback, and I think the drop off from moving her to hooker and benching Britley Braley Nardi is probably. I don't I don't think that's worth it. I, I, I'm gonna mm. I'm keeping Lauren Brown was, was at halfback to give themselves the best I chance. I feel like she's she was she 18th last. I feel like she was 18th men last week as well. Yeah, they've sort of been very careful bringing her back yeah. from injury. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Roosters. Um, I'll go to the Roosters by 12. But I think the Titans give a pretty good account of themselves. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to slow your brain. Okay, we're back. The first semi final eight began. Four remain. Campo not here. Let's meet our first contestant. 
after crushing his way through the Tasmanian regionals, this Panthers diehard is hoping for a similar era of dominance. He's here to take names and put them in his substack. It's Ben, the inglorious bastard, Quagliata. Ben, hello. Hello, it's a pleasure to be back for the round of four. I'm very happy to see you. Uh, I've no doubt you've heard the criticism that's been levied in your direction by all other competitors, both successful and unsuccessful. There's There's been a lot of mudslinging and besmirching of my good name. Um, I'm here today to prove all of those haters right. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, And his opponent. This press box veteran will be hoping to end his opponent's seasons like so many teams who've conceded 50 points in the NRL. It's Scott, the Arbiter, Bailey. Scott, welcome. Prefer to call it a preliminary final, Matt, but yes, welcome. Hello. We were talking about this on the greatest games that we recorded uh, earlier today, which is out now, patreon.com forward slash urban rookies, but... Do you agree with me that like this weekend upcoming should be called the semifinals and that the second week should be called the preliminary finals? Ooh, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I reckon it's a throwback to like the major semi-minor semifinals. Because ah, okay. when you have a top four, your major semi goes straight through to the grand final. Yeah, you know what? Plays minor That's semi in the probably grand. what it is, but it's always been weird to me because like obviously semi semifinals always four. But then we had the semifinals where we get down to six. It's always it's always confused me. But. At least, well, yeah, it's a good point. At least we're not covering the big bash, mate, which has the challenger, the oh, eliminator, I, and yeah, all hey, my, my my heart rate just threw the roof during the eliminator last year. Terrible. Which one's the eliminator? Which I don't know. I just I just remember that one is called the eliminator and one's called the qualifier, and that's the like qualifier, the, yeah, the, the qual- yeah. No no stages too bright for Tim David. That's right. <laughs> ben, are our beloved Hurricanes the only team that haven't won the big bash? I'm pretty sure they are. I mean, my Sydney Thunder have won it, so yeah, I, I yeah. hate this. I hate this that you don't. You're not on. You're not on the Cane train, despite. I think, I think living... you're right. I think the Canes are there. No, no, no. Melbourne um, Stars. And the Stars have the Stars yeah, okay. have won it because they choked in the final. All right, that's enough. Big Bash chat. Scott, would you like to go first or second? Uh yeah, I'll set. I'll set. All right. Are you ready for your first question? Couldn't be more ready, mate. Let's do it. The Eels did it this year, but who was the last team to miss the finals after being in the previous year's decider? Oh, okay. Um, so 2022 was Pen. Okay, we did one. 2021 was not 2020. No, 2019. Canberra played. No, because they're making 2020. 2018. Melbourne played the Roosters. Good luck editing this, by the way. 2017. The Cowboys do not make it in 2018. I'm going to say the Cowboys. On the board. Good start, Scotty. Well done. Um, yep, just sounded out. And again, you can take as long as you want to think. Just like dead silence is the thing we discourage. But if you want to think out loud, think out loud. Or I will blab all day, man. Like. Absolutely. All right, question two. Which team scored the most points at Magic Round this year? Oofed. Um My memory says there wasn't a 50-point score put on. Well, you'd hope you'd, you'd, hope you'd know. Yeah. <laughs> of all, of all people. <laughs> That's what my memory says. So I didn't go to Magic Round this year. I actually went down to Canberra for that weekend because it was just throwing away. So, but I know South put a score on Melbourne. Penrith was a low-scoring game against the Warriors. Uh, Manly got 
beat pretty badly on the Friday night from memory. They played the Broncos as they always do. Uh, I'm leaning to who else played? This is this. Um, uh, nah, but South wouldn't have put 40 odd on Melbourne. They must have been a higher scoring game than that. Gonna press you for an answer, my friend. Uh, geez, you're quicker than last time. Okay, it's all right. Um, uh, you know what? I will go south, but I think I'm wrong, but I'll go south. I don't know here. Do you know this one, Benny? I feel like the Dolphins put up a score. I don't know. If, I'm not it's the, it is, the, is the, Dolphins. the Dolphins. Oh, yes. on Sunday. 30, no, it was the Saturday 5.30 game. They beat the Sharks, Sharks? 36-16. What did, what did South score that day? 28. No, they're right. Okay. I was going to say either the Dolphins or whoever the Tigers played. but The Tigers won. Yeah, they beat the Dragons. Did they? Oh, yeah. that's yeah, right. Because that, that was the death knell. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, se- yeah. Se- second was Raiders in that 34-30 against the Bulldogs. So. Oh, instant classic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Scotty. One out of two. Question. So can I count that for my scores? Or uh, if only. No, no, <laughs> maybe what steals for the final, but not not now. Ooh, okay. Maybe I don't know. You got to get there. Okay. You got to get there, Scott. Question three. Uh, this is from Nick Campton. Who holds the record for most points in the national youth competition? Is it A. Kyle Felt, B. Adam Reynolds, or C. Ash Taylor? Ooh. Okay. Um. Oh. Yes, Ben. You will also get a multiple choice question. I I reckon. So this is career points? Career points, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kyle Felt. Bang. Two out of three. Well done, mate. When in doubt on points, always go a winger that kicks goals. Very, very shrewd. Okay, this one is hard, but both the ones that you get, like each of you, I think this one's quite hard. I trust you, Bungard. I trust you. How many teams had a player score 20 or more tries this year? It's a tough one. Orange Dragons... Did AJ get 20 this year? I feel like he didn't. I feel like it broke some kind of streak. Rose, Dragons, Eels, Dolphins. I'm going to say five. I don't know here. Was nine. Nine? Really? Yeah. Nine. I was going to say four. <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. I was shocked it was it was that many. But uh, if I'll quickly run you through them. Uh, it's Cobo, Mulatalo. Azako, Khan Pereira, Dom Young, and I think Marzi as well, but yeah. Ravalawa. Alex Johnson did. He got 21 and DWZ. Oh, wow. Isn't yeah. that it? Or have I just counted poorly? Uh, it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, it was nine. Oh, it doesn't five. matter. It's wrong other way. Nine was five. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, oh, apologies to Dylan Edwards. We forgot he scored four tries last week, but uh, never mind. Uh, apology and- accepted. That, yeah, well, you uh, again, you don't get a point for correcting me on online, but oh well. Uh, Scott, your last question. This is I for this, this is for three out of five. Three out of five is a good score. I think you're safe, mate. But, I'll but... shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which Australian rep's career path is this? They're obviously retired. Bulldogs, Titans, Panthers, Tigers, retired. Bulldogs, Titans, Panthers, Tigers, you say? Yes. Um. I'm going to take some time on this one. That's right, man. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tough one. Bulldogs, Titans. Yep. So I can't give you the time span, but they date. Oh, yeah, Bulldogs. I got it. Jamal Idris. Backing three out of five. Oh, I forgot he played for the Tigers. Yeah, it's a yeah. one. Did he finished, get a game? He played like finished up with them. Didn't play many, but that's where he finished. Yeah. Well Did done. You failed to mention the kids' TV show in there. But... Oh, sorry. My fault. Three out of five, Scotty. Very good. Very good score. Okay. Benjamin. 
how you feeling after that? You knew two or three of those, right? You knew the felt one, presumably. Oh, I probably guessed him. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So there you go. Did you know the address? Oh, you just said you didn't know about the Tigers, but I would hey, not. I was no. I thought like Leilani Latu, just because Titans Panthers. Oh yes. Yeah, but did Leilani Latu play for Australia then? No, and neither did he play for half of those clubs anyway. So fantastic. I would, I would say as a general, it's good to guess a guy who played for Australia for that question. If you are, uh, it's social construct. That's fair. Also, yeah. Well, I mean, like last week when it was the player was retired and George guessed a guy who was playing that what week. What was he doing? With <laughs> <laughs> he knew it was wrong, but whatever. It's fine. Uh, ben, Ben, are you ready? Yes. The Warriors or Broncos will do it this year. We are recording on Thursday night, but. Who was the last team to make the grand final after missing the previous year's top eight? Hmm. You can just feel free so to run last, them back like yeah, Scott did. Yeah. So last year, Panthers, Eels both made it in because we, we beat the Eels in the 21 finals. We beat South in the 20 finals. Mm-hmm. The answer, I believe, is the Penrith Panthers. It sure is. And I, yeah. I, I actually tripped up uh, the editor at large with that one. He said, "Yeah, because we we were we were last halfway yeah, through the 2019 forget, season. People forget how how like that you guys really the 2020 came out of nowhere. Really, you could knew that one, Scotty, or would you have been tripped up as well? Uh, I think I only got back to 21 in my head, but I think I would have got that. Okay, good. All right, Ben, which team had the biggest win at Magic Round this year? So margin of victory. So we've established it's not Panthers win this. No, it wasn't us. We only just squeaked by the Warriors." Tigers just barely beat the Dragons. The Raiders squeaked against uh, fuck whoever they played. Um, dogs? I think it was the Dogs. Anyway. Um, Brisbane, I feel like they comfortably beat Manly. I feel like we just... I'm trying to remember what we talked about five minutes ago. Hmm. Um, Dolphin, you wouldn't be the Dolphins. You wouldn't do that twice, or would you? I feel like they kind of... That was a pretty back-and-forth game with the Sharks. I can't remember who some of the other games were. Um, who, did the, who did the Cowboys play? I was going to say the Broncos. I've got nothing else. Two out of two. Oh. Oh, my goodness. And it's up to multiple choice. Oh, <laughs> to tie. <laughs> to tie. Who holds the record? This is Nick Campton's question. Who holds the record for the most tries in the national youth competition? Is it A, Gideon Geller-Mosby, B, Omar Slimankle, or C, Matt Dufty? Before I answer this, did you know Omar Slimankle was on the block the other year? I actually did know that because I think you told me. Oh. <laughs> Someone told me that, but yes, I did know that. I, know, I think I, I brought it up several times because I was just so... Just it, is your second, it is your second favorite footy fact. Would you like to tell Scott your favorite footy fact while you think? Uh, oh, d- did you know that uh, Dylan Walker is a direct descendant of the mutineers on the Pitcairn Islands? Yes, I did know that because it was, I think Pam wrote it in Big mm. League when, when I was there. Someone... there was a, I think there was a story about it when he debuted for Origin. Yeah, yeah there was. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think Pam wrote it when I was there. And it was a great fact. We, it's we... a great fact. Oh, ben, oh, ben oh, it's, Ben's favorite, it's Ben's favourite footy fact. Yeah. But then, oh, you oh, know, oh. do you know who scored the most tries in no, the I forgot all the options. Can you repeat them? <laughs> Geller Mosby, Slamankle, Dufty. Hey. Slimankle, I think, was a... Well, they were all fullbacks. So that really didn't help in 20s. But it was supposed to be a winger. I'm going to go Gideon. I don't know here. Ah. It's Dufty. It's Matt Dufty. 
Oh. You're still in this. Can you imagine if Ben had gone five for five? There would have had to have been an investor. I would have been accused of tipping questions. <laughs> I think. Okay, but this one is kind of like Scotty's question four, where it's a bit, it's it's quite, I mean, I don't expect you to know, but you know, you have a good guess. You got a good chance. How many teams who missed the finals this year, so out of nine, had a better for and against than the Canberra Raiders? I knew this was the question. I knew as soon as you started that question, I knew this is where it was going. <laughs> so the Raiders for and against was minus like one thirty or something. So was it how many had a worse for and against? Was it uh, better? So how many oh, better? Better. Okay. Well, uh, the inverse. I'll give you a hint. It's between one and nine. Cheers, mate. Oh, I didn't get any hints. <laughs> well, it's not zero. I know well, that. Your, yours was between one and seventeen. <laughs> I know it's not okay. So I can knock out zero. That's good. Oh, don't me. So I know, so the Tigers definitely had a worse for and against. The Dogs definitely had a worse for and against. And if that's wrong, then I've just embarrassed myself. Who, I'm trying to think who. So the Eels definitely were better. Souths were definitely better. I think they might have both been positive or like really close to it. Cowboys were definitely better. Who else missed? Manly. See, Manly had some absolute shit results early in the season. I don't know if they clawed it back enough. So I got there, there's four, and then the other three. Tigers, Dragons, Bulldogs, I don't think. Did the Dolphins, I feel like the Dolphins were close. And I'm going to say five, because I can't think of the other team. I don't know here. It was six. Really? It was so close. Yep, so... Raiders was minus 137. You were very close with that one. South plus 59, Parramatta plus 13, Cowboys plus four, Manly plus six, and then the Dolphins minus 111 and the Gold Coast minus 126. I couldn't think of the Gold Coast. And you were right about the Bulldogs, definitely not. They were minus 331, even worse than the the Tigers. So, Ben, two out of four, this to force your second. You'd both be in a second tiebreaker. You both won through a tiebreaker last week. So, question five. Which New Zealand rep's career path is this? Obviously also retired. Melbourne Storm, St. George Laura Dragons, Cronulla Sharks, Newcastle Knights. Melbourne Storm. What was it? Can you repeat that? Sure. Melbourne, St. George, Cronulla, Newcastle. New Zealand International. St. George, Cronulla, Newcastle. Scott thinks he knows. I am so useless at these things. Melbourne, St. George, Cronulla. Do you know it, Scott? Yeah, yeah, I'll message it to you. Okay, sweet. Don't message it in the group chat with Ben. That would be a bad idea. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. What if he does that? What if he just wants a tiebreaker, Ben? He just tells you the answer. Give me the big tip. I'm not much. <laughs> I've got. I have got absolutely no idea. I can what? confirm that Scott Bailey has sent me the correct answer. Yeah, Melbourne, St George, Cronulla, Newcastle. Yeah. And New Zealand, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it's not helping. Well, you know, it's not Darren Lockyer. So, I did think you played for Melbourne. That's true. Um, give you, oh, can I give him a hint? It's not Leilani Latu. <laughs> did Leilani Latu play PM thirteen or something at one stage? I think honestly, that sounds like something that happened. I'm pretty sure because when we had that really good year, was it sixteen? And then the Titans paid massive overs for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the only person I can think of that played for Melbourne that is now retired is, it's not my answer, but is Stephen Kearney, but that's clearly wrong. And I can't think of anyone else in like 
Uh, Leilani Lazio played for City. That year, yeah, that's what it was. In that year, where Gus cleared all his players play for City, I reckon. But he he did have a really good year, Leilani Lazio. To be fair, what are you? How you feeling, Ben? Uh, Not great. Mm. I'm I'm gonna need an answer soon, and I don't think pass is a good. (laughs) No, I'm not passing. What did what did George answer? Jordan Rufano or something? No, he said Tyson Frizzell, who's definitely <laughs> not who's, definitely, who's not retired. I tell you what, Tyson Frizzell is not a bad answer to this question, though. Uh yeah, except except for the fact he's not the, key. Yeah, that part. But the, yeah, but the, the other three, yeah, yes, three of the four clubs. Yeah, I've just blanked on every single Kiwi from the two thousands, except Stephen Kearney and Stacey Jones, and neither of those are correct. And Jerome Party is also not correct because he played for New Zealand. Ah. Uh, Fuck, I don't know. I'm just waiting for something to hit me. All right. I'll give you I'll give you a few more seconds. I need I need a player soon. Yeah, no, I got nothing. It's wrong, but I'm gonna go say Francis Miller because he needs to be dis- discussed more. But I know it's definitely wrong. I don't know here. Scott Bailey is through to the final. It was Jeremy Smith, Ben. Ah, yeah, I never would have got that. Scott, congratulations. How worried were you when he was two out of two? I thought it was all over. I well, should have said six. I was so close to saying six. I'm so annoyed at myself. It's very because, like, you were not only were you two from two, you then had a multiple choice and a and kind of a second multiple choice, really, where you knew the answer was like between like three and seven. Yeah. So real good I effort, though, mate. You got the you did. I mean, you got the first two, doing well, very, very, and obviously very, very close on the on the on the fourth question. You were one number away. Um, but I've lost. You, but you've lost, but you didn't disgrace yourself. I think Ben, you were the actually the better players, not to be honest. <laughs> oh God's sake! Where's but, um, uh, he's, he's back in. He's back in the old town doing old town stuff. I don't know what he's doing, but uh, yeah, we did the rest of the show earlier today. But uh, I don't know if he'll want to send a disappointed voice message because I don't think he's got anything to be disappointed about. You got five correct between you, and pretty close on. On the, on the other ones. Like, there weren't really any bad misses. I'm going to be seeing six in my sleep. I am sorry about that, Ben, but thank you so much for playing. If it makes you feel any better, your team's probably going to win the comp for the third year. In a row. <laughs> very much going to happen. This, this is the prize I wanted. All right. Uh, Scotty, thank you very much. I will see you tomorrow, but I will speak to you on air in our final next week. Uh, do you have a message for either Pam or Harry or both? Me? Yeah, yes. um, yeah, I just can't wait to take down Pam like I always did in the big league trivia ones. And I've wow. never actually met Harry, but he... Was... Yeah, I know, it's a shock. Wow. But um, I don't think I have anyway. Two good rugby league men. He was very impressive last week. So I'm hoping that Pam beats him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I can take it down next week. Fantastic. Thank you, Scotty. Ben, any last words? I've, I've, sh- I've shamed the great people of Hobart. I think you did all right, mate. I think you should be very proud. All right. Thank you, boys. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for having us. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will. Yes. Simi Redradra. Oh, he's absolutely buried. Okay, news time. Chris McQueen retired. He sure did. What a guy. What a what career. A what a player. Is is he too good to to be a guy? He played like I feel like guy. he played a lot more origins than you can to be a guy. I think he played like eight of them. 
That's a lot. Had a, had a pretty good origin origin career. Too. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it, it was it, he. So he started out as a, I remember he started out as like a winger, a long haired, a long haired like sort of like a a, yeah, a rugged looking exactly. winger played against Manly on his debut from memory. Origins for Queensland, but there is a caveat here that I think pushes him into guy status. Okay, which is he played for Queensland and England. That is pretty cool. That's great stuff. And I, I've, I have accepted that I was wrong when I said that someone wasn't a guy once because they played too many first grade games. You can play two hundred games and be a guy. I apologize for being wrong about that. I just think that the other reason he's too good to be a guy is he had such a cool name. Everyone remembers his name, Chris McQueen. Chris McQueen is a very strong name. Chris McQueen, man, had, I, I think, an underrated career on the whole. Mm. Like, played really good footy for Souths in the lead up to that first premiership. So important. So, and one of their pet plays for, like, years was that chip kick across Yo, the face. Chris McQueen had hops. He could get Chris, up. Chris, McQ- Chris McQueen could, could, could get up there. Hmm. Um, fleet of foot as well. You yeah, know, that, that you can take me now. I've seen it. He's, in, he's involved. They don't score that try If McQueen can't run like buggery, you know, mm. and then sort of finished up at Souths, it wasn't working anymore. Had a really good bounce back season at the Titans that a lot of people forget about. Mm. Had a couple of really good years up Scored there. Scored a try like every four, three or four games. Really yeah, good strike yeah. rate. And then went to West. And... Well, that's where careers go to die. But exactly. Then... But then he went to England. And ended up winning Man of the Match in a Challenge Cup final, which his team lost. How crazy is that? Should have called George up to give his Huddersfield takes on Christmas. Oh no, that that loss that loss really hurt him. That wouldn't oh, okay. that, that wouldn't be right. But I'll, uh, yeah, oh, Chris, I'll call him after this anyway. Then <laughs> nice, Chris. Yeah, Chris McQueen, big ups, man. Yeah, great work. Uh, speaking of the Tigers, hopefully his career doesn't die there because Dream Bull is re-signed. How good! I, I love how they mix that news in with Hadji Pantella staying on as chairman. <laughs> Unanim- unanimous support. As, for- as I saw someone say, you've got to take the crunchy with the smooth. Yep. And I was like, yeah. Wait, which one's which happened. one's good? Well, it's, I, I I guess it's in the in the. I'm a smooth boy. What are you, Matt Bungard, the big smooth boy? Big smooth boy. What are you? Are you crunchy or smooth? I prefer I prefer smooth, but I'm, you, not, I'm not I'm you, not fanatical. About were you Were you living with Mitch when? We had this stupid argument on the computer for like an hour about whether juice was better with or without pulp. And then despite me specifically, he went to the store that night and saw that they had double pulp juice. So he bought it and then he drank like one mouthful of it and was like, this is too much pulp. I regret everything. (laughs) I think that was just after I moved in with him. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking more pulp to own the libs. Fantastic. Um, Oh, do uh, do you know who Chris McQueen's uncle was? Steve McQueen? Close. Uh, Jeff Hugel. Oh, really? According to Wikipedia, and they can't lie on that. Wikipedia is never wrong. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, of course, Jerem Bull is a great retention for the Tigers. One of their very few bright spots in 2020. There's a good clip bouncing around Twitter at the minute, which is Billy Slater talking about Jerem Buller, and he pretty much says that, like, even the Tigers probably don't realise what they have because Bull is still just scratching the surface Mm. of the footballer he might be. And I think that's really true because, like, it wasn't so long ago that Buller wasn't even playing footy. Playing basketball, getting yeah. buckets. So as good as he was this year, I think with the right coaching, he could get even better. And in a couple of years, we could have one of the real superstars of the game on our hands. So West Tigers, for the love of all that's good and holy, please don't bugger this up. I don't think they will. And it's it's kind of – it is, like, obviously, again, sometimes we get carried away with the 05 stuff and all that, but it's pretty cool that he was a, he's a Keeper Park guy and now Benji's his coach. That's that is good cool. stuff. That is good stuff. You gotta love that. 
Um, speaking of contracts, though, they're, they're letting dudes do the DCE backflip again. And DCE thinks it's great that people can do that. He was, <laughs> did, he was asked about it. it. He was like, yeah, funny. of course. This is great. I did think it, yeah. Like, so he can't say it's not because this was something that the RLPA <laughs> was fighting for and, and yeah. got it and all that. And Cherry Evans is very high up in the RLPA. So he can't come out and say it's a bad idea. But it is very funny that the person who most infamously backflipped <laughs> on a club says, yeah, backflips are back, baby. Like, Let's Nadia Comanche this this shit right up. Hell yeah. So people are very if people are confused, so um the NRL had this rule where there was a 10-day cooling off period after signing a contract where you could um go back on the contract. And this was this came to a head most notably in was it 2015, Camper? Uh, I'm not sure. The Somewhere chair, around then, mid 2010s. one was definitely the 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 one that sort of. So know, mid mid 2010s, DCE signed with the Titans and then cooled off and backflipped and and stayed at Manly and the rest is history. He's had a, he's had a fantastic career since then. But of course, there was the there's, there's been some other examples since then. But that was certainly the most high, high profile one, and that was the one that really sort of made people go, "Hey, maybe this is stupid." I still think it's stupid. Absolutely, and like. There is no transfer system that everybody's going to get behind. Um, but I do like that they've sort of leaning back into just having a system that pisses off as many people as possible. I think that's a good that's a good step forward. I mean, it, for me, it's just simpler if um, if like you, you know what, you can't sign for 2024 until the end of the 2023 season. That to me would be the simplest solution to all this crap. Like I don't want I know, guys playing. I, I don't I want guys playing that. entire seasons for different teams. I understand that, but I don't think the RLPA will ever go for that. No, they if won't. You have a postseason free agency period. What if you do your knee? Yeah. Season yeah. all of a sudden. Maybe I get that. More. Maybe maybe we and go. Like, I hate it when that happens in American sports when a guy has a serious injury heading up to his free agency, and it can it can severely impact his earning potential for the rest of his entire career. Yeah, well, like you Saquon Barkley is injured in right this now. One, I, in this one, I know it's frustrating and I know it pisses off fans or whatever, but I'm going to be in favour of the players getting the best deal they can. You know, yep. even, if we, even if that creates a situation like we have now where a guy can play an entire season with a club having signed for another club before that season. Yeah. I know it's annoying. I don't like it. I don't like it either, but I'm willing to put up with it. That's fine. Uh, can I read you a quote from Ben Hunt? Absolutely. I will be a dragon in 2024. Honestly, it's not my first choice. I would prefer to come back home, but that's where we're at. He's copping some heat for this. I like it that he's being honest, and I'm liking that he's speaking his mind. And I'm liking that. I know there's a few Dragons fans who are like, oh, he should stop talking. He should stop talking. Mate, Ben Hunt, he always fronts up. If someone asks him a question, he's going to tell, he's going to say the truth. He's going to be honest about it, you know? And I know it must, it sucks for Dragons fans. I'd, I'd hate to hear one of my best players or my best player talking this way about my club, but mm. it's the truth, mate. It's the truth. And if he didn't say it, everyone would know he's not telling the truth. Yeah. Like if he came out with the yell, I'm excited. Everyone would know that's not true because everybody knows that he tried to get a release. My take. And, like, and, 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 and it can't get papered over by, by a couple of weeks where the team kept losing and nothing has happened. Maybe we get to next March and things will have actually changed. And I'll say, yeah, I like the direction this club's going and, I'm happy to stay here now, you know. But it's either it's either do you want him to lie to you or do you want him to, to say the truth, no, even if the truth, even if the truth's going to hurt you. My my take is that it's funny. Oh yeah, well that's that's okay, definitely good. the biggest takeaway here. It is, yeah. and it is it is rather funny. But like also, he re-signed with them like less than a year ago. Yeah, and now he's saying things like this and behaving like this. I don't know. The whole thing's very very messy, very unbecoming. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm like I agree with you. Like he re-signed a year ago, and now he's whinging about it. Like, mm. but if this is the way he feels, 
but you know, at least, at least, at least, at least it's honest. At least it's not just the boring platitudes that we get from so many players all the so, time. You know, so, at least he's not lying to you. Is it too late for me to call up my friend Adam Reynolds and get him to backflip? Is he still your friend? Yeah, I wanted to do well. I don't know. You turned on him pretty couple of times. Uh, uh, yes, famously, jokes on the podcast are not my actual opinions. That's that's just not true. These jokes are legally binding. Ah, shit. Well, in that case, <laughs> I got a. Got a lot of Lachlan Ilya stock to buy. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, dear. All right. That's it. I think we did it. Good we job, Nick. Uh, we well, next time we see you guys, it'll be grand final week. Next time I see you, it'll be at the stadium tomorrow. Yeah, very exciting stuff. Yeah, can't wait. Prelims, how good. But before we get out of here, thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. Go to patreon.com forward slash anaerobium rookies. You get access to our Discord server, Entry Next Year's Culture Cup, a third show every week, a fourth show this week, Nick. Would you like to really quickly... Tell them what we did today. Very exciting. Did another episode of Greatest Games. It's that Warriors Storm semi from 2008, the the Michael Witt put the ball down game. I have more fun on those shows than I probably do on the regular shows. So go give it a listen if you want to take a stroll down memory lane ahead of the prelims. Yep. Now's the, like, again, always a good time to support the boys. Don't need to, but yeah, this week, great timing because you get a fourth show. Four whole shows. That's a great deal. I'm not an economist, but, you know. If I was, no. But if I was, I'd be encouraging people to give you and I money specifically. That's but I'm not. That's yeah. that, that's <laughs> that, no, that's money talk. Exactly. Thank you too. Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Wayno the old coot, 2041 Rookie of the Year Panthers star, methamphetamine rules. Alex Sergicomi, <laughs> Broncos legend Adam Reynolds. He typed it in all caps, so I had to yell it. <laughs> nice. Bruce the Bomb, Butsy, Chivaka Snuffopagus, Dan Cullinan. Death taxes and Reese Walsh cramping up after scoring a sick try. Do it for Stacey Jones, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie. I also went to school with Bungard. Jason, Joe, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, kicks outside of the comp, Lockham Hancock, Ladrick, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smoothmore, Mads, Taylor's version, Man, Hask, To'o, Drinkwater, Matt, Duggan, Michael, a boom, boom, boom. Let me hear you say, way up. Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Matt Bungard and I love Taylor Swift. My ding ding dong is hard and I'm sad. Never trendy. Panzer Z Eins Vi Pat McManus, Pete Fulcher, Reese Brown, Roxanne Clark, Scores wants Stuart Sacked, See you in Vegas, Shanta Ty. Thank you too. Chris Adnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi Stew, the Black Vegetable. The outro music is a vibe on 1.75 times speed. Thor, Tom Hardy, Was and Westlife podcast and the Pasco. Fiasco. Thank you so much for your support to everyone loyalties and everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Did you know I I only just discovered like a week ago that you can listen to podcasts on increased speed? I think people that do that should be locked up. Oh, well, lock me up, Nick, because I've been listening to everything at like 1.3 times speed. Surely that will end up melting your brain one day. I mean, if the Red Bull hasn't. (laughs) That's the thing, isn't it? (laughs) I live my life one quarter liter at a time. Of Red Bull. Delicious, delicious. Are they coming quarter liters? Yeah, it was a really good joke. They come in 250 mil cans. Oh, that I is was really, joke. really pleased with that. And you just, well, no I, just I just don't I just don't drink enough Red Bull to have context for their size, man. Like nice. I see them in the distance, but they're far away, so they look small. Amazon inadvertently sent me 48 free Red Bulls last week. Are you sure that wasn't just Red Bull looking after their boy? It could be, but I didn't pay for them. So regardless, the Red Bull is in my house. Red Bulls won are sweeter than Red Bulls earned. That is right. Okay. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. That's goodbye from me.